This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. talking about this very ancient old thousands of year old sacrament that was that was clearly part of the whole Christian message and and my hope is to get you to think about it I baptism actually you know the Easter season was sort of one of the times to get baptized and we have we were going to have a baptism here today and and then we're going to have a lot of baptisms we already have a lot of them scheduled for Easter Sunday and if you go through this service and kind of thinking yeah that's something I'd like to talk about or be part of you know do let me know and, and be glad to have that conversation with you so how do we get started on Easter well I want to start out by just talking about three basic perspectives on life. And I want to come over here and, and look at these boxes over here. I think our lives go through kind of three phases. And, and don't see these. I mean, I have them in a line, but I think it kind of circles back around. And we have here order, disorder, and reorder. Can we say all those together really loud? Order, disorder, reorder. And, and I feel like in our lives, we, we find ourselves in different places at different times. There's probably somebody sitting down in Florida right now on spring break watching us thinking, my life could never be in better order than this. <laughs> yeah? And there's probably somebody sitting here today thinking like, oh my goodness, I can't believe and fill in the blank. And then there's people who are here who are starting to see new things, experience new things. Their, their, their world's starting to come alive. So think of for yourself, you know, where are you here? And understand that life is this process of moving through these at different paces. And I want to talk specifically about what each one of these boxes means. So take a look here. Order. I'm going to have you say the R word there at the end. Order. Exactly where we are. Righteous. What's the root word of that? Exactly where we are. Right. Somebody said right really well. You know, it's where we are right, where we're just sure. And kind of it's, it's the smallest box because it's where we've kind of pulled it all in, right? It's where we're right. It's where we've got it all together. It's where we know everything. That can cut two ways, sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. But it's a part of life. Like, we all have that box. And the second one, I'm going to have you say the U word there at the end. Disorder is transformational upset. The transformational upset part, that's where all of a sudden we, we either choose it or we don't, but there's something in our lives that happens, and it's an upset. It, it's an upset that actually is transformative. We're never the same after it. Like I, was, I was telling the team this morning, you know, I, Matt, Matt's going to go down, and Matt's got his life here, and he's going to go down, and he's going to spend a night in Philadelphia. He's going to go through that disorder box. Now, now, do I know what comes out the other end? No. But what I do know is you do not go through experiences like that without being transformed. You do not go through experiences like that without being transformed, which is kind of interesting, right? So we have the order, we have the disorder, and now this box. I'm going to have you say the B word there, and I want you to say it like the B word is in all caps there. 
Reorder. We gently join the the big story. Notice this is the one box that is, begins with O, ends with pen, that is, it's the one box that's open. It's, it's the one box that's kind of like bursting forth. And that's kind of where this is going. It's about, a, about an opening up that occurs. About an opening up that occurs. So what I want to do now, I'm going to come back center and I want to talk some more about these stories and talk about how these boxes, what they actually have to do with baptism. Now, to, to understand this, I want to talk about a story where Christ actually gets baptized. A beautiful, beautiful story. So a couple of things. Just This is out in the wilderness, out in the desert, and Christ has decided that it's time for him to get baptized. He gets baptized by his cousin, who's called John the Baptist, biblically. Probably some of you aren't aware of that, but that's why he's called John the Baptist, because of this event. So let's pick it up there. Beautiful part here. This is from Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, which you can imagine. Like, Christ is pretty famous, and here he's asking John to do it. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus said, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. A very different view of righteousness. Then John consented. As Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, it's some beautiful lines here when you, when you look at the passage itself. I want to start out talking by these Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and think of those people as kind of big into the order box. All right? They're big into that small box there. And those were the clergy at the time. Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. And he, he, boy, John the Baptist goes off here. John the Baptist said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And I want to just start there for a minute. So, so notice, folks, were they coming there? Were these other clergy coming there to be baptized themselves? Yes or no? No, that's really important. Here were people who were coming there, and they were coming there to audit what was occurring. They were coming there to judge it. And you can imagine, like they were doing a baptism in the Jordan River. There's all these people. All of a sudden, like the, the crowd starts murmuring, like, oh, that's him, that's him, that's him. And you see Christ starting to walk forward. He would have had quite a reputation at that time. And that's where John notices these people sitting, these outliers, sitting on the edge, just there to critique it. Now it goes on. And this is what he warns them. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Now, that line again, in, in our modern language, like we look at that and think, what is, what is John the Baptist saying there? Saying something really important. These clergy members, and we all have this part of us, by the way, not just me. These clergy members, they had this, they had this, this view of repentance. Listen carefully, please listen carefully. They understood repentance inside and out. They knew what it meant to be a quote unquote good person. And ready for this crazy part? They did it. They did it. They did everything exactly as it was supposed to be. 
begs the question then, what was the problem? The problem was when you looked at the, say the word with me, when you looked at the fruit, nothing was going on. Nothing was going on. It was kind of this sterile view of faith. This belief that it was just this big mountain of rules. And that if you followed the rules, you were in great shape. If you knew the rules and could follow the rules, you were even in better shape. If you knew the rules, could follow the rules, and could judge everyone else by the rules, you were number one. You really had it. Do we all have a, please raise your hand, do we all have a part of us that does that? Absolutely. Look at your neighbor. You know, we absolutely do. I know the rules. I've learned the rules. And now I can judge everyone else with the rules. That's something so far different, folks, from the idea of bearing fruit. The idea of bearing fruit. Let's go back to Matt doing his thing with the covenant house. If he went down there to observe and to judge and to tell all those young teens exactly what they were doing wrong and that they better repent or hell was coming, what kind of night would he have? Not that good. But instead, when we can understand that this is about fruit, this is about something where where we're trying to bear something out into the world, to, to allow something to grow... And inside, inside fruit are all these seeds. We don't know anything about those seeds. It's just, it's just we're just trying to bear fruit and we don't know where the seeds go. We don't know how it all happens. But we have to give up our orientation around order to get there. Now as the band comes out, I'm going to step back over here. We have to understand, folks, again, that this box is not a box that is terribly fruitful. That there actually has to be a change somehow. Something has to occur. And you think about these, these Pharisees, like Sadducees, that part of our brain, like that's big into the order box, but something needs to shift. And we're always being called to that. And I don't think it's something we need to chase. I don't want to say that. I think it's something that God puts on our heart. And then we find ourselves doing things that we never would have imagined and we find our lives starting to be transformed. In other words, say the D word here, we step into disorder. We step into it. Just like they were doing into the Jordan River. And that was John the Baptist's job. Notice, very different clergy job description. One of them, John the Baptist, going, you got to step here. Other people going, no way. When we come back, let's take a look at what that actually means to step into this. And as we step into here, what starts to happen over at this side of the equation? So that, that take me to the river, like, let's take a look. Let's take a look, folks. I'm just going to stand over here for a second. We have these boxes, we have these things, we have this process that's happening. And again, don't think that you need to push the river. You don't. You don't need to push the river. The river's moving. Our job is just to be willing to step into it and allow this to happen. Because this is a miracle. 
This is truly a miracle. I can just, I can just imagine somebody in here thinking like, Chuck, I don't even see, I mean, maybe I see up to this box. I can't even, I can't even comprehend what this is like. Well, baptism is about starting to think about it. Starting to wonder what our lives can be, starting to see something that actually is a, is a real authentic alternative into our lives where we get a chance to maybe, maybe just step out of the rat race just a little bit. Where the constant pursuit of more is just met, it's just met with a joyous smile and the word enough. Now, I want to talk about that last box here, and I want to go back to the Bible and take a look at what Christ went through, what he talks about here in a beautiful, beautiful part of the Bible where the baptism takes place. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized. We talked about that. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom in whom I am well pleased. Now, that's, a, that's a beautiful passage there. And, and, and you think about it, folks, like, like here's the Jordan River, River. And at that time, they did something called full immersion, which, which was that you went out into the river and you, you went down into the river. And then it talks about Jesus kind of coming out because that was the whole point was it was, it was kind of this experience of where, where life really had bottomed out, sort of a drowning of sorts. And then we came back out of the water and it was with new life, new possibilities. New ways of seeing the world, new ways of relating, new priorities in terms of what life was actually all about. As we talk about that, it's important to ask, well, like with baptism, like who is it for? And, and there's a couple of tracks here. One is you have, of course, you know, we, we do do children's baptisms. We got a lot of them coming up at Easter. We also do adult baptisms as well. And who is this really for? Well, let's take a look. It, what Nadia Bowles-Weber says, I love her words here. It's not our ability to be saintly, but God's ability to work through sinners. It's this beautiful thing. Like, it's not about like doing the game somehow perfectly. And like, here's the prize. Here's the cookie you get. It's really about a starting point where we really start with, yeah, you know, life is challenging. It, it, it is hard, but, but, but there can be new, these new beautiful beginnings. And then we have to understand, what is it that this actually does for us? Like, what's the actual work? And what I want to share with you here is a video by Brene Brown where she talks about what this is actually going to be. Now, now I, you know, I was going to show this video before. Some of you have actually already seen it. I was going to show it before, but then we had the, the Paris attacks, so we actually pulled it. And I wanted to show this this video to you now because it it speaks to what that actual work is like. So, so we get like baptism is not for the perfect person. That's that Pharisee, Sadducees, the order box. It's about when we step into that disorder place, that, that willingness to have this transformational experience. And then that gets joined up by this incredible, it's hard to put into words, this incredible experience. 
And the, the experience, folks, like the experience is, is, you know, they use it, and you can think of it poetically, like a dove, the symbol of baptism is this dove alighting on Christ's shoulder. It's this dove that just sits on his shoulder. Isn't that interesting? So it's not a triumphalism either. He's not having some big jaguar sit on his shoulder. He's not having some big bird of prey sit on his shoulder. It's an opening, an opening of love. Now take a listen to how Brene Brown, she does this wonderful job describing what that actually is all about. Please take a listen. Jesus makes complete sense to me. Why? (laughs) Because this is my whole thing. I believe God is love. It's that simple and that complicated. And so if you tried to express love to human beings and just came down and said, I am love, love each other. We automatically, because we're so afraid of hard things, we would automatically go to like unicorns and rainbows. And so you would have to send someone to show what love in the flesh looks like. You would have to send what does love look like. And so otherwise we would romanticize it. We would turn it, we would we would make it easy because that's who we are as people. We're going to make it easy. And so then Jesus comes and says, okay, I I am love. I sit with the people you're not allowed to talk to. I do all the hard things. I make all the hard choices. I love the people that are unlovable. I feed the people who are not supposed to be taken care of. Um, I don't tolerate shame. I don't tolerate attacks. Like, I'm love. And it's hard and messy and dirty. And if you really love, I mean fierce, big love, you'll become dangerous to people. And so there's no way that most of us could have understood what love was without seeing what love looked like. So to me, it makes perfect sense. And so God is love, and Jesus is what love looks like made flesh. And it's hard, and it's not the default, and it has nothing to do with rainbows and unicorns and fluffy stuffed animals. It's about choosing what's right over what's easy. I don't want love to be that. She has so many great lines in there. She talks about how, you know, that this kind of love, it's, it's not our default mechanism. Like, we want, I love her words there, rainbows and unicorns you know that we we kind of want like rainbows and unicorns that's the way we want love to be and yet we're being called to something far greater 
And a little aside, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, when we move from this stage to this stage, where I get caught, I don't know if it's where you get caught, but where I, where I get caught is I don't trust the river enough to keep moving. To understand the value in what's hard. To understand the value in the work. To understand the value in the, in the, in all the sacrifice. What I want to do is I want to go back, say the word for me. I want to go back to, I want to go back to order. I want to go back to order. And, and that's a romanticized view of what that order was in the first place. And I think it's this very gentle Christ invitation to keep moving. And we can even see that, folks. Look at this beautiful picture here. Do you know what that was? That was a baptismal pool from like 200 A.D. Now, now you think about that. Look at the beautiful image there. It's in the image of a cross. I realize we have some people probably aren't familiar with the Christian imagery around the cross. Come to Easter, I'll explain it. And, and yet you, you look at the beauty there, folks. You look at the beauty there. That would have been filled with water. And then somebody would have stepped in. They would have been stepping, they would have been on the edge. Taken the step in. Taken the step in. And then taken the step back out. I just, I love that image because this is what I want baptism to be. You ready? This is what I want baptism to be. A hot tub. I want it to be a hot tub. You can't laugh at that. That's good. <laughs> you know, I, like, how hot's a hot tub? 102, right? Is that too hot? You know, I, I want it to be a hot tub. I want it to be this nice, really, really comfortable thing. I don't want to embrace discomfort. I don't want to embrace things that aren't safe or known or orderly. But I think this is calling us to something far different. Far different. It may not have an appeal to everybody out there in the world. Probably doesn't. But it does have an appeal to some. And I think that some can make a huge difference out there in this world. Now, as I step back over here, I want to share with you a poem. It's, it's a poem by an Islamic poet. And I think it speaks to this, and it speaks like hear Brene Brown's words too as you, as you hear this poem. Beautiful poem. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as, even as he is for your growth, so he is for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun. And see this last phrase here poetically. It's just a beautiful phrase. So shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. That's where that love like moves beyond rainbows and unicorns, where, where it starts to shake our roots, where these things that we thought, these knowns of life that we've navigated by, that served us well, don't serve us in quite the same way, and we start to feel this pull to this next stage of life. This next piece, this next horizon. New Church puts it this way. We are a form of, I'm going to have you say the three middle words there. We are a form of love, mercy, forgiveness. We are a form of love, mercy, forgiveness of whatever is good and true. Like we're a form. 
We're a form of that. And you could look at it two ways. One is we're, we're shaped just like that. If I was to ask you folks, I was to go out there in the audience and I was to say, show me a picture of love. You'd pull out a picture of, of maybe somebody who's sitting right beside you. Because they're a form of love for you. And we're also a form in a second sense. So that's kind of like a form going from the inside out. But we're also a form from the outside in where, where, where I think what we're asked to do is to structure our lives in such a way that, that, that God can come in and fill it up sort of like a concrete mold. <laughs> that can then shape it in this beautiful way that, that, that is only ours to give. This unique, totally unique, never been before, never will be again, this totally unique form. Think about that for a minute. Totally unique form. I think maybe parents, when we held our kids for the first time, we experienced that. Totally unique form. And we see it breathe life. And we see it come into the form of love. And in some weird way, we always knew, if you, if you have a child, you, you always knew that that was always kind of true. And what a joy it is watching them fill that form up, or I should say watching God fill that form up more and more and more. And what will happen? Love, mercy, and forgiveness. Love, mercy, and forgiveness, which are at our very core, implanted by the highest of the heavens, implanted by God. And God always holds them, no matter how wretched you are. He always holds that true. And anything else, fear, anxiety, vengeance, any of the bad stuff, anger, apathy, you name it, any of the bad stuff, any of the bad stuff, cheating, stealing, what love will do, love will call all of that up to attention and ask us to deal with it. So as we wrestle with those things, it's not that when we wrestle with them, it means we're a bad person. That means that the form of love and, and forgiveness, this very core of who we are, is trying to push itself up. And as it's pushing itself up, of course that other stuff comes up. And it comes up so that God can help us to work with it. And no matter, I don't care how bad the struggle is. I do not care how bad the struggle is. It's not bigger than God. It's not bigger than the love at your core. Now, of course, that dissonance creates pain. Of course, it creates a sense of separation. But it's what's true. And baptism is a way, I think, that, that it just kind of like spreads its, its wings across it all. Maybe that's why we have this image of the dove. I mean, folks, just, just again, just, just think about this. Here is baptism taking place, and it was in the midst of a Roman culture. Now, the symbol of the Roman culture was a sword. And here's Christ with this total counter-narrative going like, no, you know, bringing that spirit into your life, that spiritus, that wind, that breath into your life, it's the symbol of a dove. And then out of the water, Christ comes, and we hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Incarnational. Christ is God with skin on that connection. So we come out, we come out of that place, and there's this beautiful moment where we can just sit for a moment and just say, let God look at you. That's it. 
I mean, it is interesting. Like baptism, sometimes it's so serious. And, and I feel like, no, what God is doing is God's kind of pulling you out of the water saying, let me look at you for a minute. Let everyone else see this form of love that is coming more and more into who they've been since before time. And what a beauty that can be. So, are we ready to see an actual baptism? Yes. So the way this is going to go is I'm going to invite Chris and Ashley forward. We're going to do the baptism, and then we're going to actually invite everybody down to, to you can be part of the hands-on blessing at the end here. Now, to, Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Lord, help us to find in our hearts, wherever we may find ourselves, with that willingness to step into the river. To step into a river, Lord. Place of love. Place of care. A place, Lord, that is the hard love that you call us to. Not hard, Lord, because it's a burden, but hard, Lord, because it will pull us out of our simple explanations, our simple way of aligning the world. It will call us to newness, an unimagined newness. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to support one another on that journey. Help us to not just understand baptism, but to live it. To live it fruitfully, truly, and with great love. Bless. Bless Chris. Bless Ashley. Hold them on their journey. Bring them home. Home. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.